Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand. Walking in the early dawn to climb up in my stand. Hunting off the farm, wishing on some love. I've been on a big board for one of the presents. Welcome to American Roots Outdoors, your host, Alex Rutledge, along with my producer and director of radio, Redbone Mike Crace. And on the line, we've got Wayne Locke, our brand manager, and also the director of our podcast. And, you know, we always say this, we've got another wonderful show lined up for everybody, Redbone. Well, we do a great guest, and you fishermen out there, you want to make sure you hang around and hear what this guy's got to say. Yes, sir. We got Mike Malone, BFL champion from Lake of the Ozarks. This guy's won, I, I can't tell you how many tournaments. And he's like the king daddy, big bass buster on Lake of the Ozarks. And a turkey hunting extraordinaire. And he's an old personal friend of my older brother, Larry Rutledge. And uh, this guy's a turkey murderer and a big bass thumper, Redbone and Wayne. Well, I'm jealous on both counts. <laughs> I heard he's won so many tournaments, he actually has to build an addition on his house to hold all his trophies. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe he should have had you come up there and do that, kind of like your chicken house. There you go. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I'm building the main cave, right? <laughs> you know, Wayne, Wayne, I still don't have him saying across the road. He's still saying Redbone across, across the street. The street. Yeah. Streets are for cities. Listen to me, Wayne. Streets are in cities, okay? I know, but... 50 years of saying streets is going to take me a little while to learn road again. <laughs> okay, I need you to slow down a little bit in your speech, too, so you can kind of sound southern, okay? <laughs> oh, okay. I got to get more laid back. That, All that, right. won't, that, won't, that won't help because it'll just make his Ohio accent stronger. Okay, I got to tell you this. Yeah. Linda Bird gave him some of her fighting chickens yeah. a week or so ago. Yeah. What, two hens and... Three roosters. Well, you didn't give him no hens, Linda? Yeah, no hens, just three She's roosters. She's in the studio with us. Three she don't want to talk. But anyway, three roosters. I could hear them crawling this morning. I got up to see if I could hear any turkeys, and I didn't hear none. Just see how many survived. But uh, how do you like your roosters, Wayne? I love them. It actually makes me feel like we're, our farm is complete now. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about those goats? Are they still alive? I've seen them running loose in your yard. Uh, yeah, only because they have not climbed up on my truck yet, but as soon as they do, uh, I will have be having gyros for lunch one day. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be eating goats. Yeah, for, 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 those, for those of you that are not from the city, gyros is a sandwich. Yeah, it's a sandwich. <laughs> it's goat meat. <laughs> All right, Redbone, give us the news. The turkey numbers in Missouri, uh, it's down in some of these southern counties in mm -hmm. southern Missouri, but... The numbers was up overall for Missouri because of the northern counties. Yeah, it seems that way. Uh, overall, just for the spring, a uh, regular spring hunt, 38,730 birds, which is up by over 3,000 from last year Yeah, statewide. Now, when you add in the youth hunters, okay. it's almost 42,000 turkeys. Wow. So, wow. It, it, I mean, when you, when you get right down to the brass tacks, overall season for Missouri was up, and it was up by about 4,000 birds. And most of the birds come from up Franklin County was a leading county. Yeah, Franklin was 899 birds harvested. Callaway was 699. Laclede was 651. 
uh, which of course Laclede is up around the Lake of the Ozarks. Oh yeah, so that's our guest today might have killed one of those. Yeah, uh, locally, uh, Alex, I'm talking here in the Ozarks region, Texas County, six hundred and sixty. Uh, Douglas County, 381. Shannon County, 331. Howell County, which is normally among the leaders in the state, was at 295. Wow. Oregon County, which normally kills around 400 birds. Yeah. 254. Oh, my. Ozark County, around Gainesville, 218. Carter County, uh, 172. And Ripley County, 165. What about Douglas County? Did you get any numbers uh, Yeah, Douglas? Doug- Douglas County, 381. 381. I, I yeah. killed a gobbler in Douglas County. Oh, okay. And I called another one in for another buddy in Douglas County. So All we right. killed two over there. We helped those numbers. But, uh, you know, Redbone, I just want to touch on this. And, and Wayne, uh, you know, I did, I've shared this on the show in the past years. I was fortunate enough to guide a, a biologist, waterfowl biologist from Canada several years ago when I was with Hunter Specialties. And they'd done a study on predation on their waterfowl and their ducks and geese and their nesting. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to believe, your memory may remember this, but the number one nemesis predator to their nesting was ravens and crows. Hmm. How many of you turkey hunters out there that's listening has found eggs by themselves with just a hole in it? That's what's going on. Crows are a big nemesis. We need to encourage all of our listeners to start crow hunting. Yep. And start trapping. I was fortunate enough to hunt with a guy from Louisiana, and he traps every month that he can. And he keeps a diary of animal, every animal that he traps and the sex and what, what the age and weight of it, he thinks. And he said his turkeys, when he f- first started doing this, he had 12 turkeys on his farm. He said the second year he had 25 turkeys that was showing up on his cameras and he was watching. The third year went up to 35. So trapping and shooting crows will help your turkey numbers and you listeners get involved in this great sport of trapping and crow hunting. Yeah, or, or let coon hunters come on your place yes. and, and hunt coons. Coyote hunters. Everybody. Coyote hunters. and, and all. I was talking, We were talking about coyotes at, uh, at lunch today, actually. And, uh, you know, we used to have a lot of coyote hunters around. Some of them have passed away, and there's yeah. nobody picking up. The and, tradition, and taking over. the legacy, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's really, I mean, I can stand on my front porch. You know where I live, Alex. Yeah. Uh, I used to say, I can stand out on my front porch any night and probably hear a dozen. It's crazy. Yeah, they're just everywhere. Yeah, I'm going to share another story with you. Uh, something with my good friend Rex Jones. Uh, he's one of our men, uh, leaders of our WAG, Line on Assembly of God, men's group. We drove into this property that we got to hunt over in Douglas County, and as soon as we drove in the gate, tall grass pasture field going up a hill, and there's an old house place there, nobody lives in it. A hen runs out in front of us, and Rex says, well, she's got a nest right here. Well, we thought we'd go see since she ran off, count how many eggs she had. We couldn't find her nest. So we go up the hill and park, and we work, try to work a turkey, try to find one for two hours, and we drive out around 110, and we drive back down to that same gate, and all of a sudden the hen runs out to the left where we saw that hen by that old house. Feathers went everywhere, and he goes, she's hit that fence. Well, I noticed she was on this side of the fence, and I said to myself, she didn't hit that fence. And there was feathers everywhere, and I thought, hmm. something's trying to catch her. So I ease over there out of the truck. There was a bobcat at her yep. nest. Wow. That bobcat had a hold of her, and we saved her life by driving up. Yep. So that's another nemesis. Coyotes, bobcats, coons, possums, kill them all. And, and another nemesis is just the weather itself. And yeah. the nesting. Nesting. Yeah. And yeah. The hatch you got more news for us, Redbone. Uh, yeah, I got some. Uh, you know, we've gotten until the end of the month to apply for the elk. 
tags if you want to elk hunt in Missouri. And Alex, already, and this was as of last week, 7,181 requests have been made for a permit, and they're only going to issue five. Wow, your odds are very slim. Yeah, your slim. odds are very, very slim. But you've got until the end of the month. If you want to go to the Missouri Department of Conservation website, you can do that. And, and what uh, does it cost to apply, Redbow? $10. $10. $10 to apply. And then if you get chosen, it's a $50 tag. So, I mean, you know, yeah. MDC's not trying to get rich off this thing. They're just wanting to open it up for a few folks. To have well, one of my friends owns a farm beside Peck Ranch, and he's got yeah. elk on his farm every fall. Well, And, and he told me, he goes, Alex, it, whoever draws, and, and we can make arrangements with them to come and hunt our property, you can film it. So we're going to get to film it for American well, that'd Roots. That'd be cool. And, yeah. of course, landowners, uh, they're gonna, two of the permits are going to go to landowners. Really? Yeah, there's seven permits total, well, five, five to the general public. Linda Bird and I are landowners. Well, you have to be in the area where the elk are. Oh, Wouldn't do you a lot of good to hunt yeah. on your farm for elk, I yeah, don't think. that's right. We it don't have any elk care. All we got is goats and our neighbors and barking dogs, yep. don't we, Wayne? And real quick before we wrap up this uh, this segment, Alex, uh, next— Wayne's got an announcement to make. Yeah, let me make this real quick. Next Saturday, uh, squirrel season and black bass season opens. <gasps> awesome. Wayne has started something cool with our podcast and our radio show, everybody. I'm going to let Wayne Locke, our brand manager, tell you about it. Yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to have an episode, and we may do this uh, uh, every few weeks, uh, but I think every week we're going to do end the, uh, the show with a, uh, a question from our uh, listeners. So what I need everybody to do is send an email with your questions to wayne at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. Send me a question that you'd like to ask, and uh, Mike, Alex, and myself will uh, do our best to answer it. I'm sure we're going to have some entertaining questions in that, and we're going to designate a whole show to nothing but listeners' questions, and then each week we're going to draw a couple questions out to uh, answer during the show. I think that's a great idea, Red Bull. I think that'll be fun. I think that'll be fun. You know, we we got a lot of current events going on here. We're going to go to a break, everybody. But our special guest is coming up, Mr. Mike Malone, BFL champion. I can't tell you how many titles he's won, uh, the king of the lake of the Ozarks. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more American Roots Outdoors right after this. Right here, right now, this is Chancey Walters listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge, the Ozark Herd Bull. Hornady presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. Your host, Alex Rutledge, in the studio with Redbone Mike Crace. And as promised, on the line, the king of the Lake of the Ozarks, BFL champion. I can't tell you how many championships, team championships, this guy has won. This guy is a big bass beast, a turkey thumping, murdering turkey killer. Welcome to the show, Mike Malone. Hey, Alex. Thanks. Wow. That was uh, quite an introduction. Uh, I'll try and live up to that uh, on our visit today. Uh, not sure I can, but I'm going to try. Well, everybody, if you've heard of this name, if you're a bass fisherman and you keep up with BFL and uh, Bassmasters, all of it, this guy is one of the legends on Lake of the Ozarks, and this guy is catching big bass year-round. And, again, I don't know how many titles he's won, and he's a very, very modest person, very humble guy. He's been a personal friend of my older brother, Larry Rutledge, since the 70s. And uh, the first time I ever met Mike is like 1975. 
It was in Dent County, turkey hunting, and I'll never forget, I was the only one without a turkey, and Mike had one, and Tommy had one, and I, I don't know what I did. I don't guess I knew what I was doing back then, but <laughs> anyway, this guy, is, he's, got a, he's got a knack about figuring stuff out. You know, he can take, uh, go into an area and figure fish out quick, and he can figure out gobblers and big deer, and uh, anyway, welcome to the show, and what I want to do here with you, Mike, is... For those that don't know you, where was you born? Well, you know, Alex, uh, as you referenced uh, in in your uh, opening commentary, uh, Salem, Missouri. Mm -hmm. It's a little town. For those that don't know, it's in south-central Missouri, Uh about 4,000, 5,000 people. And I grew up there, went to uh, high school there. And then moved on, went to, uh, graduated from the University of Missouri. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, that, that's kind of, you, you know, where I started off at. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of a hillbilly little place. And, you know, I'm very proud to be from there. I've never forgot that. Yeah. Now, you yeah. grew up fishing the rivers, didn't you? Uh, the current Really, river. we did. Yeah. We fished current and um, the uh, Merrimack. And I, I started getting into lake fishing probably in the early 80s, I'd -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. And um, just kind of, you know, that that really caught my uh, attention, and I really started to enjoy it. And um, and so that's what I've been doing primarily um, since then, is focusing on on the bigger impoundments. Yeah, Mike, what year did you graduate at Salem? I graduated in Salem in 1969. Okay, so you were a little before Coach Shukart? Yes. Okay. Yes. Did I you play? Did you play? Shoe, did you play Good football? Guy. Great guy. Yeah, great football coach, and uh, they haven't been the same since he retired. Actually. No, no, they need to bring him back. <laughs> <laughs> did you play football, Mike? I did. I played in high school, and um, enjoyed that immensely, and uh, of course. You know, at the collegiate level, that's a totally different uh, yeah. animal than high school ball. So I wasn't quite um, the athlete. Well, let me that. ask you this. Uh, uh, now, I'm going to guess, knowing your stature and who you are, I'm going to say you was either a quarterback or a receiver. Am I correct? Yeah, I was a receiver. Ah, that's what I figured. Well, if you would have played for yeah. shoe, you never would have got the ball because he didn't believe in throwing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd been blocker. I would have been a blocking <laughs> tight end. Yeah, it was it was wishbone or nothing when you play when Coach Shue yep. was over at Salem. And you run the bone or you don't run worked. anything. And it worked for him, and it worked for him. So you're an outdoorsman, man, and, and you've won all these titles. And BFL, let's talk about your championship, one of the big titles you've won, if you don't care. Yeah, no, I'll be happy to. Um, you know, it, it's what, what I have come to realize – in my uh, later later years here, the importance of just being consistent, and that that's you know so important to getting anywhere in life, whether it's fishing, hunting, mm. work, is being consistent. And so I take a lot of pride in being able to jump in these tournaments and have a uh, a game plan set up and then execute it and Mm -hmm. i'm going to say 75 percent of the time that game plan works Mm -hmm. and the other 25 percent it doesn't Mm -hmm. and the guys that rise above 
uh, to the very top are the ones that take that that excel in that 25% where it's their original plan blew up. And so it's a big puzzle to me. I mean, this week I'll give you a great example. Uh, I've taken two different uh, sponsors out this week, and we've been flipping uh, fish, bass, uh, on beds at about the 80-mile marker in Lake of the Ozarks. Uh And we're using 25-pound test line, big string, big stick, Uh and uh, close uh, jungle warfare with them. You got 15 feet of line out when they bite. Today, I'm out with the rider, and we're using uh, spinning reels, and we're throwing uh, floating worms on them. Wow. And totally different. I'm at the six-mile marker. Uh So being flexible and really, you know, playing to your strengths, so important. And, um, you know, that's what I try to do. I've won several team tournament uh, championships, uh, which is, you know, I'm very proud of those. I think I've won three, three boats in my career. <laughs> and uh, I've, I couldn't even begin to tell you how many top five finishes I've had, but, you know, several hundred through the years. I mean, I've fished a lot. Mike, so, Mike you know, if so, I may interrupt you real quick. Yeah. So our listeners understand, you live at Lake of the Ozarks, and some of the big names that's won some Bass Masters, Elites, and Mega Bass and all that, you you have beat people like Guido Hibden and Denny Brower and all them guys, haven't you? Absolutely. You know, and it's fun. It's a great, uh, great fraternity here at the lake, and we've had some powerhouses. You just named two of them. Um, Guido, which unfortunately we lost last year. Mm-hmm. Denny who unfortunately now lives in Texas. Um, but uh, Guido's son, Dion, is still here, still fishing. And, yeah, we tee it up, uh, teed it up and tee it up, and tee it up now mm-hmm. against those guys, um, you know, on any given, you know, weekend that we're out fishing. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And Brent Chapman, you've even took Brent Chapman's money several times. Yeah, Brent's <laughs> a good guy, good friend. He yeah. Was, on, I met Brent and his dad, Ron. It has been years ago on when I was on the John Ludwikowski Pro Staff mm-hmm. in Overland Park. And Brent, just starting out, and he and his dad were on that Pro Staff. Great guys. Yes, they are. We're going to go to a break here, everybody. You're listening to Mike Malone, the big bass beast, buster of Lake of the Ozarks, BFL champion. This guy is an extraordinaire when it comes to the outdoors. Don't go away. We'll be back with more American Roots Outdoors right after this. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Waddell with Bone Collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. Do you need rock, gravel, chat, sand, or mulch hauled? Call CST Hauling. 417-349-2018 or 417-683-0202. Ask for Corey or Sherry. These guys do an excellent and great job. They will get the job done for you. Hey everybody, Alex Rutledge here with American Roots Outdoors. If you're like me, you can't chance getting busted by a big old buck. Let me tell you about a new company, Texas Raised Hunting Products. They make everything from deer lures to sentimentation products. 
Their new scent Guardian Cinnamonation products are tested and proven to be 100% successful. Try Texas Rays Hunting Products. Don't get busted. What the wind might do, American Roots. Hornady presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. I'm the Red Bull Mike Crates. We've got Mike Malone from the Lake of the Ozarks uh, on the line with us today. Uh, Mike, I want to talk about fishing. You said something in our last segment about uh, the game plan that you put together working about 75% of the time, doesn't work about 25% of the time, and the guys that are successful are the ones that can overcome the unsuccessful plan, the 25%. It really is important to be able to adjust on the fly, isn't it? It, it really and truly is, and I can't tell you how many times uh, that I've had to do that. And, and I, you know, I talk to a lot of people, um, you know, if, at the tournaments, whatever. And gosh, you know, they've been catching them on, say, a spinnerbait. And guess what? The day of the tournament, those fish moved. They suspended, they did something different to what they had been, and they wouldn't touch a spinnerbait. <laughs> well, you've got to be able to be have enough confidence in yourself to, you know, set down that blade and pick up something else. Maybe it's a bottom bait, maybe it's a jerk bait, crank bait. You have to be willing to uh, do that and have enough confidence, self-confidence, to try and make that work. And, um, you know, that doesn't happen. It doesn't work out all the time, but a good part of the time it will. Also, got to ask you, uh, as a as a longtime fisherman, a professional fisherman, uh, the adv- the advantages today. And, and I'm going to assume this because I'm not a professional fisherman, uh, but mm-hmm. today's fishermen have a bit of an advantage because of the electronics and the advances in the boat over the guys that were fishing. You know, like you were back in in the early '70s. I mean, there's got to be a bit of an advantage nowadays. It's unbelievable, and uh, one of my. Uh, really um, uh, good sponsors, uh, Hummingbird, mm-hmm. has, I've got the Hummingbird Mega 360 up front on my boat, uh, and I've got two Mega side imaging units on my dash, and I've also got the, uh, up front, the Garmin Live Scope. Wow. And between that Live Scope and the Mega uh, 360, it's incredible. The, the gentleman I had out today could not believe what he was seeing. It, it's just absolutely, it, it, for, I'll say, for crappie fishing, it, it's total game changer. You should never fish where there's not fish. Mike, let me ask these, you, if I, may a, if I may ask you, uh, would those devices work on the current river, you think? I, I don't. I, I could maybe see the um, the the Garmin, the Live Scope, potentially, because the Live Scope gives you real time, uh, real dimension, uh, what's in front of you, and you will literally see fish swimming. Wow! Okay, and you know it's fish because you can see their tails. That's how minute the detail is on this. Wow! And wow. then the three hundred and sixty. It gives you, obviously, a 360-degree view of uh, what's around your boat. And it just literally, the mega imaging blows it up. So I'm looking at a huge rock. I can see the shadows on the rock. I can see the crevices in the rock. 
pretty mm. incredible stuff. Wow. That helps you find fish instead of assuming where they're at. There's no guesswork. Uh, you know, for sure with crappie, um, because crappie are school fish, and so these things light up like a Christmas tree on those uh, on those electronics. Now, bass, solitary, what I use it for is to find the structure that the bass are going to relate to. Big rock, uh, you know, brush pile, log, dead tree, old um, broken down boat dock in 20 foot of water. You name it, and I mean, you see it, and you know exactly what you're looking at. Well, it goes to show you, you know, I mean, you see so much emphasis, Redbone, on people using graphs now in tournaments, Mm -hmm. and it it, it helps the fishermen be more successful, and uh, it's it's a big difference the way they used to fish back in the 80s and 90s, what they're doing now. And, uh, you know, the graphs, and, and it seems like, Everybody's got them anymore. A buddy of mine, Chancey Walters, which I hooked you up with him, and Joe Douglas, these guys go to Mike Malone to learn how to use these graphs. Mike is a guru and like a professor and mentor to many people on the usage of these graphs. Wouldn't you agree, uh, Mike? Well, you know, I haven't been to school to learn how to use them, Alex. Um, I've had to, been through the School of Hard Knocks, uh-huh. and so I, I can help anyone get their units set up and ready to go. I take a lot of people out. Here's the biggest thing with the electronics today. You, you mentioned that you know, basically everybody has them, but not many of those folks know what they're looking at when they <laughs> see it. Yeah. That's amazing to me. But you know, once they get it in their head, what's going on and what they're looking at, you know, a light comes on usually, and then they can take it and run with it. But um, you, you'd be surprised how many people do not understand the picture they're looking at, what it is. All right, Mike, so I wanna, we have just about a minute left in this segment or so, and I just want to ask one question. If it puts you on the spot and you don't want to answer, it's okay. But do you ever look at those things and be on the lake and go, boy, can you imagine how many fish so-and-so would have caught back in the 70s or the 80s if he had today's equipment? I mean, somebody that comes to mind to you that was a great fisherman that would have been even better? Well, you know, that that's, um, you know, that's kind of like hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. I, I'm going to tell you the, the, the really good fishermen back 25, 30 years ago, uh, they were good for a different reason than the electronics. They didn't need the electronics to catch fish. Yeah, they found um, them the hard way. They did, and they, they worked hard at it. And Guido Hibden's a great example. Guido's on the water 300 days a year, and there was no one better than him on this lake. And um, he, he'd learned the hard way by being out there, putting his time in. There you have it, folks. Mike Malone talking about other legends of the Bass Masters and Lake of the Ozarks. We're going to go to a break, and we'll be back with more American Roots Outdoors with Big Bass Beast Buster, Mike Malone. This is Brenda Valentine, and you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and Friends. Hornady presents American Roots Outdoors in the studio again. 
segment four of the show, Redbone Mike Crash. What a great guest Mr. Mike Malone has been. Yeah, we're learning stuff, and, and that's always, I mean, that's kind of the objective of the show is to learn stuff, and I'm learning all kinds of things today. Yeah, you know, he's raised, born in Dent County, Missouri, and uh, went to high school, played sports, and started bass fishing, tournament fishing in the 80s. A uh, personal friend of my older brother, Larry Rutledge, and a turkey guru. What I want to do is talk a little bit about turkey hunting here with you how many years you've been turkey hunting mike oh my god well <laughs> i'm gonna say 45 probably <laughs> long time now I'm, I'm long long time if i remember correctly back in the i believe it was the 80s late 70s when i met you there in Dent yep. county your call that you use redbone you're gonna love this look at me he had an old cedar uh shell pine. and he had pine a knot. horseshoe nail pine knot and had a horseshoe nail in it and a piece of slate that's really? what he used my brother larry used the same thing who showed you that car who who made that call for you well um and uh, one of my elder relatives an old gentleman that grew up on big creek uh just um south of cedar grove on current river buck asbridge and i learned how to turkey hunt from Uncle Buck, Uncle and Buck. he killed more turkeys than probably anybody in Shannon and Tenth County. Uh, <laughs> he was a killer. In and out of season, I might say. Uh-oh. <laughs> Before season, he had an early season there, yeah. Ah, yeah. The early season. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the early season. But anyway, the, the, this call that he used, Redbone, and my brother Larry had him back in the 60s. I wow. remember Larry made something for my dad, uh, some turkey feet, and he... he had them uh, staked out where they'd, they'd be a mount like, mm-hmm. and he put the, the, his call screwed to this pedestal between the spurs of this big goblin, the beard laying there. It was huh. like a two inch spurs. Wow. My brother had made it for my dad, and he retired that old call. But it was a horseshoe, cedar yep. tube with a horseshoe nail in it and a piece of slate like Mike used. Mike, that call's got a different sound than any other call you've ever heard. Would you agree? It, it really, uh, really does. Uh, the thing that's unique about it, you can be as soft as you want uh, with it, and it sounds great, but you, you can jump on it, and I'm telling you, a turkey a mile away can hear it. Yeah. Let and me... um, that that's, um, you know, I've still got it. I've got the one that, oh. um, I'm not really sure how old it is, but it's ancient, and I wouldn't take a thousand bucks for it. Well, you do me a favor and post a picture, uh, send me a picture of it when we make a post for you promoting you on our podcast and our radio show. We want people to see that old call and see you your bet. pictures with you with a big bass and a big gobbler that we can promote. Uh, how many turkeys would you say, and, I, and I, you don't have to answer it, in your lifetime that you've called for other people and yourself that you've th- probably seen die in your lifetime? Just a guess. Uh, I wouldn't have any idea, I would say. A lot. <laughs> a lot <of> bunch. <laughs> well, I'm still interested in this old turkey call. I'm telling you, buddy. I, really I good, think we need to make it at American Roots. Yeah, I was going to say, does anybody make them no, anymore and still no, use them? we're going to make it. No. We're going to make it. I've made my mind up right here on this show. We're going to come out with that call. Well, if it was that good, I mean, I mean, Mike, and maybe you know the answer is, why did people quit using them? Well, this wasn't ma- manufactured. What you have to right. understand, this old gentleman... Uh, Uncle Buck Asbridge, in the winter months, 
they'd get an old burned out pine knot and they'd cut it into squares or sections. He'd whittle and wood rasp it down. Hmm. He'd hollow out the center of it mm-hmm. and they'd mount that um, uh, horseshoe nail in it as a striker. And he'd make three or four a year, and that was it. So nobody knows how to make them anymore. I do. No, it's a lost. <laughs> Mike form. knows. Mike knows, and so does my brother Larry. So, so mm. the way you would tune the call, you ready? Is how far you would drive the nail into the hole, but yep. also how much you would hollow out the hole. Correct, Mike? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I wish That's you had it point. handy there, where they could hear it. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. It'd be a new sound I mean, in the turkey. It is long-distance calling. It's amazing how far that sound will carry. Wow. Now, That's I got really interesting. I got a question for you. What is your biggest largemouth that you've ever caught? Uh, I'm sitting in my office right now. I'm looking at it. It weighed 13 pounds, 10 ounces. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. And you had to catch that in Texas or somewhere other than Missouri. Florida. 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 Okay. Now, what is your big biggest bass in Missouri? My biggest bass, okay, uh, I've lived on Lake of the Ozarks about 25 years, and I've caught six fish over eight pounds oh my. in 25 years. Mm. And that shows you how hard they are to come by. And I, I haven't caught a fish uh, breaking the nine pound. So I think about eight and three quarters. And if uh, you don't mind me asking you, fish. what bait did you catch those fish on? Different baits, if you don't care to share. You, you know, you're going to catch those big fish. The 13-pounder the, the came on a uh, about a 12-inch shiner wow. on a balloon. Wow. And Yeah, and um, most of the big bass on the Ozarks that I've caught come in January and February. And that's when those females are the heaviest, and they're feeding up for the spawn. And um, I usually catch them on a jig or on a jerk bait mm-hmm. and an A-rig. I've caught a couple of eight-pounders on A-rigs. You know, Alex, I've heard Bink over on Norfolk and Bull Shoals Lake talk about that all the time. Your biggest fish are going to be caught in January and February, even on Norfolk and Bull Shoals. Well, here, here's another question for you, because, I, I, I mean, our listeners want to learn. When you think of A-Rig, that's the umbrella, mm-hmm. you know. And, the umbrella and, rig, correct. Yeah. So so how deep are you running this umbrella in January and February? Pretty deep. Uh, I throw it on 65 to 80-pound test braid, and the the head's... In Missouri, you can have three hooks, mm-hmm. okay? So I, I'm throwing anywhere from an eighth ounce to a quarter ounce on the, you know, the each of the, the heads. And then I'm using a slow retrieve reel, like about a five, eight to one, five, six to one uh, gear ratio. So it, it's slow. And you can fish that thing 25 foot deep. Really? Wow. Because yeah. the only way yeah. I've ever fished, it's in, like, March, and I'm fishing points and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so that, well, that, that, but I've never fished it that deep. I know that umbrella, the A-Rig, will work on Current River, too, if there's some dingy water in those deeper holes. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a thing, deeper, because they get hung up a lot. Yeah, and, they do. Uh, so, you know, it's, um, you know, if you're not, if you're fishing – 
you know, less than 12, 15 foot deep, it's going to be difficult to keep it going, keep it off the bottom. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll tell you this. You know, you touched on something earlier, and I won the King of the River last year. We're going to go to a break here in about 30, 45 seconds on the jig. That's how I won it. Yep. And, yep. uh, man, I want to thank you for being on the show. This ends the radio show, but we got a bonus segment coming up for uh, the podcast. Redbone, and yes. talk to everybody about that real yes. quick. Well, if folks want to want to hear more from Mike Malone, I know uh, Wayne Locke's going to rejoin us, and, and Alex and I will all be here for the podcast. Uh, go you know, find our podcast, The American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge. Uh, find it on whatever streaming service you use, and join us uh, for the podcast. And, uh, and Wayne always says, you know, make comments on that podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we need those numbers and, and you'll enjoy it. And when you, when you subscribe, you'll get notifications when the new shows are coming on. I also want to say this. We're doing a special with ARO. If you buy a Laverne box call, you get it autographed, signed, and dated, and you get a free American Roots Outdoors cap with it this month. Oh, wow. So there you go. There you go, everybody. Again, uh, Mike, thanks for being on the show. Big Bass Buster Beast, Mike Malone. And this concludes the show. Remember, when your roots are deep and strong, you don't have to fear the wind. Thank you, Mike. So you never got to worry what the wind might do. American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Hornady presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Uh, if you're listening to this segment, that means you are on our podcast. And we thank you very much for uh, being part of our podcast. We have on the phone with us Mike Malone. And, uh, Mike, I know you've been talking a bunch of fishing and stuff like that, but let's touch base with some turkey tactics. Sure, absolutely. You know, yeah. you know you've know, you killed a lot of turkeys, Mike Malone, and what I want you to do is share with these listeners. we got a lot of listeners right now in the northern states that are still having trouble. They're not hearing turkeys. What is the secrets to successfully harvesting gobblers year after year? And if you don't care, share those strategies. And I know you're going to say you got to have a plan. Go ahead. Yeah, so, so I think one of the things that maybe guys kind of overlook uh, sometimes is really knowing the area that they're hunting and knowing the high points and the low points and the lay of the land and then strategically getting themselves positioned uh, to call uh, to call a bird. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, I, I can't tell you uh, how many times that's worked for me, uh, but I always like to try to get above the bird if it's possible. And, um, I, I limit uh, my calling depending on the bird, the personality of the bird. I mean, mm -hmm. if they're hammering every time you cluck at them, then you can kind of talk them on in. But if they're kind of sporadically gobbling, you know, that, that bird, uh, you can overcall him, mm -hmm. put him in the next county. So it's just kind of, I, I would say, the lay of the land and then adjusting your calling to the personality of the birds you're trying to take. I know Wayne Locke's got some questions for you here on calling turkeys. I'm going to turn it over to my, to Wayne. Yeah, actually, I got a question on, uh, you were talking about the lay of the land. Now, how often do you guys, do you use the uh, topographical maps and stuff? Like, I know uh, there's a, quite a few map maps out there. 
Uh, do you use those like if you're hunting an unfamiliar area or public land or? Well, I, I definitely would. I try and get access to it. I know there's apps you can get on your phone now, so you don't actually have to have a paper map uh, that would help you. And uh, a, a, absolutely, uh, I would try and take advantage of that as much of the homework that you can do, uh, you know, and point out the ridges that you think you want to get on and then try and follow through with that. You know, that's one of the things Alex always uh, talks about is you know doing your homework before you actually head out in the field to save yourself a lot of time and aggravation. Yeah, you're right there, uh, Wayne. And I want to say the best app out there right now you can download Redbone and Wayne and Mike is the Onyx Map. It tells you the property owners, shows you boundary lines, and you can actually adjust it to satellite to elevations, et cetera, on this map. So it can tell you the lay of the land. So resort to that. So you, you, I'm going to recap what you just told us. Study the lay of the land, know the high spots and low spots, and call accordingly, accordingly to the gobbler by the way he reacts. Correct, Mr. Malone? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, anybody that's turkey hunted has um, had the, the, the turkey that didn't say anything snake right up into the middle of their lap. And so when you overcall on a bird, I think it puts them, uh, their, you know, their sixth sense kicks in. And um, so I always try to low-key it, unless it's like I said, if that bird's hammering every time you cluck at them, then you can, you know, pretty well talk to him the whole way in. So, yeah. Oh, I was just thinking to myself here that uh, that sounds like exactly what uh, Alex preaches all the time is, you know, don't go in there and just start hammering, you know, right off the bat as loud as you can to locate because you may have one right next to you, or you may have one that has been beat up by Jake and maybe call shy as far as, uh, you know, doing gobbling because he doesn't want anybody to know where he is. Uh, you know, start off soft and let them come to you and see if you can get a response that way. Thank you so yeah, much. Absolutely. Go ahead. One other thing, Alex, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you, but one other thing, too, that I always do is rather than call at first light, I do an owl hoot. Mm-hmm. I've got a crow call and just kind of try to do something obnoxious that that bird will react to. And so he's reacting not to a hen turkey, but to something that's bothering him. And then you can figure out what your next step needs to be. Uh, great strategy, great strategy. We're going to switch gears here now. Right now, a lot of your bass fishermen, we've got a lot of bass fishermen listening to this show, and we've had other great guests like yourself, Mike. Uh, bedded fish, what is your strategies? And let's talk about the equipment, the, the sunglasses you wear, everything. Where do you find these bedded fish right now? And explain your tactic to us right now. Yeah. Well, right now, and I'm going to speak specifically to Lake of the Ozarks, and I've been out four days in the last probably week, and we've busted them every day, and I've caught them two different ways. And the the first way is flipping the fish, and I'm in muddy water, so I don't actually see the bed, and I don't actually see the fish, okay? okay? So you're probably saying, well, how would you know? that there's going to be a fish there. Well, the key is getting into those areas where those fish want to be to spawn, which are pockets off the main lake, Mm 
mm-hmm. that have a gravel and a hard bottom. And wow. those fish suck into those, and they get up behind the boat docks on the catwalks. Like if you, the walkway going out to the boat dock, those bass love to get underneath that and spawn, and they'll get right in the shade of that. If there's a concrete pillar holding mm-hmm. the uh, walkway up, that's even better. They mm-hmm. love that. Bass, when they spawn, even if they're on a barren bank, They'll be under a tree limb or something. They want something over them mm-hmm. uh, if they can possibly get it. Wow. And then the other way that I, I caught them today was, and I saw them, I saw hundreds of bass uh, swimming the bank, some on beds, uh, and again, going in the spawning pockets, which is nothing more than a, um, a, a small cove off of, a main uh, tributary. Mm-hmm. And um, those fish, they get in there, they suck up under the docks, they get under trees, uh, any place where they in a same in, in the muddy water. They're looking mm-hmm. for the same thing, it's just different conditions. Mm-hmm. And today we used, uh, of all things, a um, pink zoom uh, trick worm. Mm-hmm. And I rigged that on spinning gear with 15-pound Yozuri braid. No leader, and I use a six sense um, mosquito hook and hook the uh, worm in the egg sack. So I'm fishing it wacky style. Wow. And I'm telling you, they can't resist it. You wow. get it around when I went through almost two bags of worms in four hours. Today. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. they eat it. They eat it. Well, Brandon Lester is a super freak when it comes to catching bed fish on a Ned rig. He likes to use yeah. a Ned rig, and he'll throw a trick worm some in a fluke, but he loves yeah. to catch them on a Ned rig. And I got to fish with him on uh, Franklin Ford Lake down in Tennessee a couple of springs ago, and he's a master at, at sight fishing. Yep. Uh, I'm going to wrap this show up here, man. What a way, what a great show we've had, Redbone. And what I want to do right now is let you plug your sponsors, Mike, before we wrap it up. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Um uh, Alex, and I've got some great sponsors that I've been with for a long time, um, not the least of which is uh, Phoenix Boats and Gary Klaus, Mercury Outboards, Minkota, Hummingbird, Talon, Dialla, Sixth Sense, Yozuri, Culprit, TH Marine, and Mustad Hooks. There you have it, folks. Mike Malone's the Big Bass Beast Buster and Turkey Thumper from Dick County, Missouri, now residing on Lake of the Ozarks. And this guy is a legend, a mentor, and just an extraordinary outdoorsman. Wayne Lack, you close her up, buddy. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to the bonus segment here on the podcast. And, Mike, thank you for being such a great guest today. And uh, I know uh, there's going to be quite a few people out there taking to heart what you just uh, gave us on advice for these fetish fish here. I know if I can get out this weekend, I know exactly what I'll be doing. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, uh, Don't forget to email your questions to Wayne at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com for our special uh, fan podcast that we're going to be doing. We're going to be answering fan questions on podcasts, and we'll be answering them each week at the end of each show. And like we say here at American Roots, when your roots run deep and strong, there is no reason to fear the wind. The sun ain't up, day ain't down, we'll be
be waiting when they hit the ground. Big time coming, it's what we do. From a whippoorwill to an old house who sitting still till it's time to shoot. American roots. Take it to a holler.